0: Hello, fellow listeners. It's Riku from Finland. I'm the man behind this tangentially speaking map project. Uh, I just finished cleaning the map, meaning uh, I removed all the markers that didn't have any description in them and also the ones that didn't have any contact info. So if you added yourself to the map but didn't add any description, Please go back and re-add yourself, and don't forget to include the contact info so people who are possibly interested in getting in touch with you can reach you. Uh, adding your location to the map is easy. You go to facilmap.org forward slash tspeaking.edit. Click Add from the toolbar in the upper right-hand corner. Click Marker. Then click your location on the map, and a box saying Untitled Marker appears on the upper left-hand corner. Uh, click Edit Data, and then you can add your name as a title and fill the description with information about you. Uh, but don't forget to include the contact info. So. That's it. I hope you're having a great day.
1: Thank you, Rico. Uh, That message was sent in uh, a few months ago, so um, it's not uh, fresh. He didn't just clean it, but he did clean it a few months ago. And uh, there are lots of people on that map, and you should consider using it either to make yourself available uh, to be contacted by other tangential us, tangential us, or to uh, reach out to somebody if you're on the road. Um, you're in a town, you don't know anyone, and you want to meet somebody who's probably cool. Very, very probably cool. Click on the map, see who's there, drop them a line, say hi for me. All right, this episode is with a man that we're going to call Aaron. He's a It's part of the mentorship uh, series. So I did three with uh, the man we decided to call Nathan. And uh, this guy reached out and said, hey, uh, I could enjoy, I think, uh, and maybe benefit from a conversation like the ones you've been having with Nathan. And my situation is similar, but slightly different. And uh, are you up for it? And I am. I was. And I'm glad I did. He's a cool guy. And uh, yeah, you know, it's funny, this this thing, it, it falls into the same sort of um, dynamic that that I don't, I, I talk about too much probably, and you're probably tired of hearing me say it, but, but it, there is this funny thing where it's like, you get to a certain age, I think, and if you maintain a sense of humility and kind of keep your feet on the ground it's confusing why younger people find value in your sort of just normal thoughts. Um, But I remember being younger and I remember really appreciating the perspective of somebody who had 20 or 30 years more than me. So, you know, it's a funny thing. It's like, Hey, I'm no expert, but yeah, I am 30 years older than you. And, and I have lived a rich life and I have been through a lot of stuff. So I guess it's like, you know, there's a bit of a imposter syndrome that kicks in because you don't really feel like you've earned it. You know, like it it's not like you've been studying these issues intensely your whole life. You've just been alive. You've just been kicking around and Getting through, but I guess you know, when you've been through enough shitstorms, you learn something about weather <laughs> shitty weather. Uh, I don't know, uh, whatever it is. Uh, I'm glad that uh, these guys found some value in our conversation, and I found value in the conversation. I mean, that's that was my ultimate point. It, you know, when I was younger, I, I always felt kind of sheepish about approaching someone older or, and asking for, you know, some time or some help. And, um, and there were older people who were just so fucking generous with their time. And, and I always felt like, "Ah, you know, I don't deserve this. I don't, I don't get it. Like, it's such a, a sacrifice for them to be explaining things to me that's old news to them, you know? And And now that I'm older, I realize, fuck, it feels good. It feels good. The whole circuit feels good. And it feels good to have an intelligent, sincere person who's younger than you really trying to benefit from your mistakes and your experience because it it makes your mistakes and and your you know the dead end roads that you've gone down in your life it makes it, it gives them value right and if you just die without ever having passed along any of this stuff that you've learned there's i don't know is there any value to it i don't know if you believe in reincarnation i guess there is but uh, it gives value to the older person's experience and so I guess what I'm saying is if you're younger, if you're in your 20s, 30s, whatever age you are, because, you know, being younger um, isn't necessarily about age. It's about accumulated experience. And um, I guess what I'm saying is just don't be shy about asking uh, for insight or uh, assistance or or just um, you know someone to, to, to bounce ideas off someone who's been around more than you because I know it feels like you're asking a favor from them and I guess you are but the fact is there's value in it for them as well if you come to them sincerely wanting to learn it's um, definitely a, a two-way relationship symbiotic and hey, Let's all find as much symbiosis as we can, right? That's that's what really makes the world go round. Uh, sorry, I have been uh, a little scarce lately. I think it's been ten days or so since I posted a podcast. We've had two mother uh, visits in the last few weeks. My mother and Anya's mother have both been here uh, one after the other. It was a bit of a mom parade coming through Crestone. And I've been doing a lot of winter prep, splitting a lot of wood, cutting down trees, moving things. We're buying um, a property next to ours, so we're spreading out a little bit and starting to think about uh, where we could build some cabins and and sort of get this lifeboat situation uh, moving. Uh, We've been making progress. We've been, you know, um, getting to know people and... um, Yeah, it's been, it's been cool. This particular, this summer has been the first summer I feel like where we've really started to meet a lot of people in Crestone. The previous years, um, because of COVID and we were only here in the winter really. And just for a couple months at a time, there wasn't really an opportunity for relationships to start to, you know, spread from one person to another. And, uh, and people weren't really, you know, having dinner parties or whatever. And, and so there weren't as many opportunities. But now we're getting to know more people and meeting some of these eccentric, uh, brilliant weirdos in this town. And uh, it's great. It's It's been really nice. Uh, if you want to follow along with what's going on here, uh, probably the best way to do it if you're on Instagram is to follow the account called The Crestone Conglomerate. Uh, which is an account that Anya set up to sort of feature some stuff that's going on with the housing and uh, uh, the land and the weather and the gardens, and and she creates some really beautiful content. Uh, and I think she's going to be creating more of that. And so uh, seeing more followers on that account will maybe encourage her to keep doing that or even pick up the pace a little bit. And speaking of pace... I did want to sort of just mention that um, I, I know there are people who are supporting this podcast and and you know my Substack page, which also includes writing and um and when I don't show up for a week or two, uh, some people can probably feel like, hey, what the fuck, dude? I'm sending you five bucks a month, and you're not uh, you haven't posted a podcast in ten days. And occasionally I'll get a letter from someone, you know, asking if I'm okay or or expressing a little uh, annoyance at that. And I get it. I totally get it. It's justified. Uh, and if I were in that position, maybe that's how I'd feel. On the other hand, uh, I feel like the most important thing that I bring to this is some kind of authenticity. And when I do things because I feel pressure to do them, I feel less authentic in it. I don't know. It's like those people say, you know, oh, we're trying to have a baby, you know, and like every day at four o'clock, we we try to get pregnant. Like, not that a podcast is like fucking, but you know what I mean? There's not like this organic, like, hey, uh, let's do it. Now's the time. Um, and with the podcast, I, I, there are definitely days where I'm like, "Ah, I should post a podcast, but I just, I'm not feeling it. I'm just feeling whatever, like I've got a friend in town visiting and, you know, I don't want to take time away from this person I might not see again for years or, or, um, it's just awesome weather outside and I know cold weather's coming soon so I'm I want to be outside and get this project done and cut this wood and stack it and do these things and um, so I don't know I don't know what I'm really trying to say other than to offer a, I guess a half-hearted apology to to those of you who are annoyed by it and I understand your annoyance and I accept it on the other hand You know, I remember when I first sat down with a producer to talk about doing a TV show back in my semi-famous days, and uh, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but he said, so, you know, what's your on-air persona going to be? And this was to be a a show like, you know, I'm going to be the Anthony Bourdain of sex traveling around the world. Talking about, you know, what's going on in the sexual subcultures of these different places. And um, and I said, oh, I don't want to have a persona. I just want to be authentic. And he sort of looked at me like I was an idiot. And he said, uh, okay, so you want to be authentic with air quotes. He did that with his fingers, the air quote thing. And I said, no, I don't want to be authentic. I want to be authentic. And he said, well, yeah, let me explain something to you, Chris. Like when you are the host of a TV show, you need to be the same person every week. And I don't mean variations of the same person. I mean, if you're funny, you need to be funny every week. If you're super insightful, then you need to be super insightful every week because your audience is expecting the same thing from you all the time. And when you're doing a show, that's what you need to give them. And that was one of many times along that, that road that eventually led nowhere where I felt like, okay, I've just learned something interesting about this world that makes sense. I get it. What he said, that's true. Uh, but also, it's the the demands of the market pull me away from what I actually consider worth producing, right? And 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 not only worth producing for the audience because I think my estimation of an audience's appetites and intelligence is probably way higher than people in that business and they're probably right and i'm probably wrong but that's what i feel like i can't do something where i feel like i'm talking to idiots because i don't talk to idiots generally like that's kind of a rule of life you know like there's no fucking point so one of the things I love about this podcast, and about honestly, one of the reasons I don't try to pump up the audience at all—I mean, get more, get a bigger audience—of course, everybody's trying to get a bigger audience. I, I'm actually not, and you probably noticed that. And the reason is, I really like the audience I have. I really like you people. I answer your emails. I like the audience being small enough that the volume of of correspondence isn't so high that I can't handle it or that it will dominate my whole life and I like the quality of the people who are still around you know five or six years ago the audience was probably four times to- four times as big as it is now and that honestly was a problem because it was like fuck I, I can't answer all these emails I can't deal with all this stuff and what was the point of it? You know, the point was I could sell ads for a mattress company or something and make four times more money. That's cool, but I don't really need that much money. And right now the money I'm getting from Substack from about a thousand of you who are, who are paying once a month is awesome. It's fucking awesome. And, um, you know, and one of my defects as a person is, like, I get to a place of enough pretty quickly. And when I get there, I, you know, my engine throttles down. And, um, you know, Joe Rogan, last time I saw him, I remember the first thing he said. I think it was on the podcast. And he said something like, you're the smartest. No, you're the most relaxed, smart person I know. And like what he meant by that, I know what he meant by that is like that I have no ambition. And, you know, smart person, I published a couple of books, so I guess I qualify as a smart person in his eyes. Uh, But, you know, I've published two books 10 years apart. Will I ever do another one? I don't know. I'm kind of thinking about maybe this winter starting down that road again. But I don't really know if I will. Uh, I I feel no need to um, unless it really feels right. Uh, And I think it's an incredible privilege to be able to just sort of do what feels right. So when you don't see a podcast go up every week, um, uh, I'm sorry, but I'm just doing what feels right And honestly, look, it's seasonal. The cold weather's coming. I'll probably be in here pumping out two or three a week for a while. Um, You know, and then you'll get annoyed. So too much fucking doctor fur in my inbox. I get it. Anyway, so I'm just going to keep following my rhythm and I hope it works for you guys. Uh, And if it doesn't, I hope you'll forgive me. Uh, Okay, the other thing this morning, we had the book club uh, get-together on Zoom, which is another uh, bit of content that's available to subscribers. Uh, We talked about The Music Lesson by Victor Wooten, great bass player. It's a a book about the mystical nature of music. It's not about how to play this or play that or, or, you know his experiences in music school it's it's really about the aspects of music that uh, are kind of beyond comprehension and and more about life and um, yeah it's it's a beautiful book. highly recommended the Music lesson by Victor Wooten. Uh, next month, I think we're gonna do short stories and essays. So I'm going to I'm going to pick a few short stories and a couple of essays that I love and we're going to get together and talk about that. And again, it's it's an awesome group. I mean, sometimes it's like up to a dozen people. Today I think it was five or six. Just it's such it's scale is so important in life, you know? So if you want to join us for that, that's uh some bonus content. This episode is going to go uh, you know, about half will be in this, in a free uh, version. And then the full conversation will only be available to um, supporters of the podcast. So there you go. Uh I want to talk about some other stuff, but I'm going to do that in a Roma. I've got a lot of stuff that's been sort of piling up that I wanted to share with you. One of which is that I haven't had alcohol for a year. And, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I wanna I wanna share that with you. Maybe it'll be helpful to some people who are um, thinking about that and and their relationship with alcohol. I am surprised by what's gone down in in that particular area in my life, and um, so that's what I'm going to talk about in the next drama. Uh, but without further ado. Let's just get right into this conversation with Aaron. Super cool guy. Um, and like, you know, I think I've said this before, but it's a really, I've got a lot of young people in my life who are a lot younger than me. And, and one of the things that I really admire in young people is an acknowledgement, a recognition that... I feel lost sometimes and I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know what my life is going to be. And sometimes I get scared and sometimes I get confused. And when I, when a person shares that with me, I just feel like the you are going to be all right. And the reason you're going to be all right is that you're not pretending you've got it all figured out. And when I meet young people who act like they've got it all figured out, and they want to talk more than listen, and they are full of fucking bluster, they don't know how obvious they are, right? Because we don't know what we don't know. And so if you walk around acting like you know, people actually do know, see how full of shit you are. But you don't know that because you don't know what you're giving away. You don't know what they see you can't imagine their perspective. And that's just the way it is. And so being in a place where you have the fortitude and the the confidence, uh, even, you know, enigmatically, the confidence to say, I don't feel, I I don't have any confidence, you know, The, the courage to say, I feel afraid. That indicates to me that you are going to be okay it's the people who are faking their way through who are fucked because they don't know what they're about to hit yeah anyway uh Aaron, hope you enjoy this conversation uh thank you for listening as always crestone is amazing in october it is just heavenly here I encourage you to, if you're anywhere near this part of the world, come visit sometime. All right, ladies and gentlemen, sending out a lot of love to all of you. I will be back when I'm back. Ladies and gentlemen, here I am with Aaron Aronson, or at least that's what we're calling him. Uh, First name you get to in the big book of boys' names. Not the book of big boys' names. Not the no. big book of big boys. Wait, what would it be? The book of boys' big names. Yeah, I, I don't know. There, there are lots of ways to uh, play like,
0: that.
2: Yeah, it's not hyphenated or anything. So, Are you a Aaron, big although, boy,
1: Aaron? Are you a big boy? Am What's I, going
2: on? Am I fuck a big boy? I'm a very, <laughs> I am average in, so this is a, this is an interesting thing because any American guy I've met is like six foot plus. Every, every. I mean, I haven't met. It's a small sample size, but six foot plus. But I'm, I'm Irish, so you know, I'm like, um, you know, Gulliver's. I'm like the giants from Gulliver's Travels over there compared to the rest of not, not really five eight five, five nine on a good day. Um,
1: well, you haven't had. The benefit of all the growth hormones that Americans use (laughs) every time we go to McDonald's. That's true.
2: That's true. There's uh, EU, still EU laws here restricting what we can, um, how how much we can juice the chickens up. Absolutely. It doesn't explain the Dutch though, does it? I I don't know. Oh my God, no. What happened? Same with with the Belgians. Yeah, yeah. yeah, They're huge. They are absolutely huge. Yeah. Yeah. that is a funny thing in Amsterdam. Like these six foot plus dudes riding riding their little bikes around. You know, they, they kind of look like something from the Victorian era. You know, like yeah. the. Uh, I mean, half the women them?
1: are over six feet tall. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. No, I don't think if I had Tinder in Holland, I think I might leave my um my height out of the uh my profile. But
1: I'll just you know. You prefer to have football. the the awkwardness in person. <laughs> no you're right absolutely actually that's <laughs> that's true
2: that's true uh <laughs> maybe not maybe not i mean it's it'd be obvious from group photos um you know it kind of you can like start you, do you ever see like uh there's certain bands and if the band has a shorter front man they just the cameraman will just it'll be a perspective thing so that he'll just stand closer to the lens you know um i could do that you know a little bit of camera trickery yeah
1: Yeah. Well, I think most front men are shorter. I think most, it seems like most actors, uh, I don't know if there's something about being a smaller dude that makes, that sort of fuels the desire to stand out, you Mm. know, to, to be, Mm. you know, Tom Cruise, Bono, like these guys are all, uh, you know, not, not big dudes. And I wonder if there's some, some connection. You know, the cliche of, you know, you stand next to whatever actor and they, or you meet somebody. Like, they're always smaller than you imagine. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm.
2: Know? Yeah. And Tom Cruise gets around that by wearing um, lifts. And uh, I mean, I think I think Bob Dylan, you know, he was very, a lot. Yeah, you're absolutely
1: right. Oh, Mick, of, uh, Mick Jagger. I mean, Mick Jagger is all of like 130 pounds or something. Mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Anyway, mm-hmm. so uh, you uh, contacted me after hearing—I uh, don't know—one or two uh, sessions with um, Nathan, yeah, which is, which is not his real name either. Another name mm-hmm. from the big book of boys' names. <laughs> uh, and uh, and and you wanted to sort of key into this this energy. Uh, this Chris exactly. as, as guru energy, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well,
2: like like Nathan, I've listened to you for a very long time. Um, so, I, I guess over the years, lots of sort of questions have formed. I haven't. I maybe I'm a little less prepared than than Nathan is. I mean, I've I've written out sort of questions, but I find myself actually in the process of writing the questions, answer kind of answering them myself or thinking about sort of having your, having your voice in my head, what would Chris say to this? And um, which is, you know, I don't think that's, I don't think that's an issue. I don't think it's gonna, I think um, the best thing to do is to just kind of talk and see what comes up there. there, There's definitely things, um, so like, like, like him, I'm in my thirties, like there are kind of like changes happening behind the scenes. I feel more and more conscious of aging, more and more conscious that these decisions, like, you know, in your 20s, it it feels like time is limitless. There Really, mistakes can be made. There's no sense that um, there's anything that's going to kind of get out of control. Um, And I have done things actually sort of with your your wisdom and mine thing thing. you said once along and this is going to happen a lot by the way chris i'm probably going to say things that you've said back to you but you said a very long time ago kind of don't get into anything that you can't get out of and i'm a paraphrasing obviously but i think you were taught it was kind of the context was like there's certain things that will just change your life no matter what if you have kids that's that your life is now about the kids um similarly I think some people get into careers and uh it's not so much a that it's a dead end but it becomes a part so so much a part of their identity that you know for them to change it kind of I've kind of done the opposite where I've like not really taken big decisions kind of push them off push them off push them off off. and I'm finding now it's getting it it, it it feels like a time where so here's a good example my sister has just told me that she's just got engaged. I just found out 15 20 minutes ago. And I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted for her, like amazing life step. But holy shit, I feel I feel so far from that. I feel so far from even marriage or, you know, a sort of a, a committed relationship again considering sort of how my last one ended. So I guess to kind of round this up with a question. I wanted to know. It seems from your story, you said in your thirties that you took the decision to get the to to do the postgraduate um, thing. You took that path. Were similar things in mind for you when you did that, or did that feel like a very? Did you feel like you were on a path already? It just kind of naturally happened, or did you have a like kind of sit down moment and think? well, here's like sort of a fork in the road. There's two or three ways I can go. Which way should I go?
1: Yeah, I was definitely... How old are you? 35. 35, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I definitely had a a period, late 20s, early 30s, where I <clears throat> had the distinct feeling that the things that had been enough for me no longer were right. And, um, similar to what you were describing, this feeling of like the wisdom of not making a commitment seemed like it was souring into, um, Something that, that had enriched my life was now impoverishing my life, mm. you know? Mm, yeah. uh, and I don't think it was it was because there was anything wrong with the thing itself. I think that you just get to a point. You know, I was just talking with someone earlier. I just this morning uh, recorded a podcast with um, uh, a guy named Michael who rode his bike from Alaska to Chile. And we oh, wow. were talking about uh, and he had already done a. A trip earlier all through asia china mongolia vietnam mm. laos down down to uh indonesia so and we were t- talking about how on this trip he was surprised at how lonely he was oh wow okay um and that he hadn't felt that lonely in asia on that that yeah. other trip and we Kind of came to the understanding that it wasn't the trip itself. It wasn't being on a bicycle by yourself, traveling thousands of miles. It was that he had reached a point in his life where the same thing that had been awesome a few years earlier mm. now wasn't enough. and part of that is because you've already done that thing, right so you yeah you've gleaned the experience and and the wisdom and you you sort of sucked the juice out of that and now. A lot of people just keep doing the same thing, right, because Mm -hmm. they're afraid of, you know, they feel humiliated to admit that, like, oh, I'm not going to keep doing that the rest of my life, you know, whether it's... Uh, you know, I'm going to be a professional musician. And then you go on the road and you say, you know what, this sucks. Like Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. never going to be in U2 or the Rolling Stones and Mm. playing in bars. Just, I don't want to do that the rest of my life. In my case, it was travel and teaching English, you know, it was like, okay, I'm not making much money teaching English for sure, but I get to live wherever I want. This is awesome. I mean, this is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Right. But then after a while, just living in Spain was like, ah, I love Spain, but I'm making 15 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. And there's n- no prospect of this getting any better. And I mm-hmm. don't really love teaching English. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this, this this stream is drying up. Yes. D- do you think um, how much
2: of that was sort of a product of you be, you're being in your 30s and how much of it was a product, I mean, obviously this is this might be hard to answer, but how, how much was it just the fact that it was this thing that you were doing that had run its course? Do, do you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. sometimes I hear someone makes this intense change in their 40s or their 50s or their 60s where they just, they fuck off and travel somewhere. And um, I'm kind of amazed by it because um, I kind of feel like, I get exhausted just like, <laughs> just the idea of 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 that amount of change that kind of lay in your life. It's it's something I'm, I I've, I've struggled to work out. Is this a product of me being where I am in my life, or is it just this more objective aspect of you know just something running it, running its course?
1: Yeah, I think it's really hard to to disentangle those things, right? Because <clears throat> obviously. I think there is something that happens in late twenties, early thirties, um, you know, uh, people who are into astrology call it Saturn returning, right? Ah, okay. it's a, a 30 year cycle. So, you know, a lot of times if you talk to someone in that world and, you know, like they'll say, oh, you were, oh, you're 29. Well, Saturn return, you know, that's okay, your Saturn return. Okay. Um, but I think there's, I'm uh, that's not really my framework. Uh, But I I do think what you alluded to earlier, like in your 20s, it's kind of a time to make mistakes, right? Mm. It's a time to go Mm. down dead-end roads and see what's there and because you don't know it's a dead-end, right? But after you've done that for a while, partly as a result of the fact that you're learning, right? Like your perspective is changing because you've had those experiences. You had a relationship that ended poorly, I take it um you don't want to do that again right you Mm -hmm. don't want to Mm -hmm. you know and i've noticed you know now here i am 30 years older than you like the there's an intensifying feeling of i don't want to waste my fucking time i don't have every day i have less of it i don't want to waste it like i learned that lesson let's move on you know i don't need to (laughs) learn it again Mm -hmm. do you do you hear a weird sound Oh, it, it may stopped. be
2: there's a metro track that runs literally oh, about okay. a, 20 30 meters away from man. Let okay. me, uh i can i'll close the uh, window if you hear it again
1: it sounded like uh, like someone just turned on a hose or something um i just i'm just saying that so people listening know it's not their car breaking down or their uh, <laughs> you know
2: <laughs> well sim- similarly there's a bridge right next to me so if you hear an ambulance Um, yeah, there's no, there's no crisis in here anyway.
1: There's a lot going on. Um, yeah. yeah, So I, I think that, that objectively it makes sense, right? Like if, if you've made a few mistakes or you've, you know, had some experiences, I think it's smart that you get to a point where you say, okay, I need to, I need to do something different now
0: right because if you weren't
1: having that feeling then you're going nowhere and you're one of those guys who just keeps going to the same pub and you know doing the same shit his whole life and yeah uh you know obviously that's not who you are totally well I was gonna
2: there I've seen it I've seen it with other people they they get into a relationship Um. So perhaps later, and there's a kind of sense where they just decide. You know, I feel I'm I'm slightly reading in. Perhaps to, you know, sometimes people have communicated this to me, and other times I might be reading into it. But it's sort of the sense where it's it's kind of settling, not in a not in a negative way. You know, not in a like there's some amazing thing out there that they've just decided. Man, I'm not gonna more. An accept like an, accept, an acceptance that like sometimes it's just good if you find a partner who uh is accommodating and patient and some someone who um someone who you think that will age well in in terms of their mentality and how they how just how they are to be around i kind of um this it does feel like a really a huge turning point for me because i i went back to university just before COVID Um, studied online and got my, got my degree. And I kind of have, I have a few, I have a choice to make really. I could go into, to postgraduate study. Um, I have a, an offer uh, from last year to study at the LSE. That would be a very interesting, interesting path. And I'd be studying, you know, really amazing, you know, at, at an amazing place, uh, an amazing subject. But um, it really puts any kind of travel plans like almost completely on the back burner. It really means that if I was going to travel, it would be like, you know, much, much, it'd be, I'd be in my 40s probably before I do it. So I still feel this pull, um, this kind of adventurous, you know, something within me that's saying, Post grad study can wait, work can wait, all that stuff can wait. That you'll never enjoy travelling more than than now. Um, but I, I just know it could easily be the case that I go a place, a sit down, say in the first place that I go to, and you know I, I have mental health stuff, anxiety. The anxiety won't just go away just because I'm in this new in this new place. Um, so yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if this can can be shaped into a question, but uh, I guess what I wanted to ask um did you did you feel confident in the choices that you made when you made a choice were you more or less certain this is this is the right thing to do often I'll make a choice and then there's this kind of doubting sense in me like you know is this really is this really it and that I'm trying to quiet that part of my mind and just accept when I make a choice, no, let's, let's see where this goes. Is this something that you, that you, it's not something I've ever heard you talk about Chris, like um, uh, your mental health has always seemed to be something that's kind of uh, just ticks along nicely in the background. It could be hard obviously to read into these things. And as a listener, it's like, I don't have all the information, but, don't get you don't give me the sense that you're someone who questions their choices
1: yeah well a lot of that is the fact that i'm talking about things decades later in Mm. in from a perspective of knowing how they turned out Mm. um but I found some journals that I kept when I was in my 20s recently, I think I've talked about on the podcast a little bit, Um, and I've been um, transcribing some of them, and I'm struck by how anxious I was, Mm. and um, how much I wrote about Things in my own consciousness that I didn't particularly like, and wanted to find ways of moving beyond, you know, lies that I was telling to myself and and to other people, misrepresenting myself in in ways that that were totally unnecessary. Um, mm. But for some reason, I felt compelled to do it, and then I would you know, think about it later and be like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, why, why mm. did you make that shit up? You know, there was no mm. need to do that. Um, mm. So definitely a feeling, uh, you know, of being a work in progress and, and not, um, not being uh, as kind of comfortable and and calm as it may seem even to yeah. me. Now you know, much less to to you, mm. you know, I was talking with um my partner anya uh a while ago and some other people were over, and a lot of the people in my life now came to me through the podcast, right, so mm. they listened to the podcast and then you know we met and got to be friends and and now they're just friends, right mm. um but they knew me, they knew podcast, Chris, before they knew in the flesh chris and and it was interesting listening to them talking about like oh how how is he different than you thought you know and like i'm just sitting there with keeping my mouth shut letting this conversation happen and Mm. and basically the consensus was that talk about a cliffhanger oh yeah that's where the free version ends ladies and gentlemen I'm going full-on capitalist on your asses now. You want to hear what those people said about the difference between podcast Chris and sitting in the living room. Chris, you're going to have to pony up five bucks a month. or I think you can get a free, a free subscription for a trial period or something. And also, as always, if you cannot afford a subscription but you really want one, just write to me and tell me that and I'll hook you up. So this is all sort of uh, symbolic. I appreciate those of you who do pony up that five bucks a month. I appreciate it immensely. <clears throat> I really do. I think it's uh, it's incomprehensible. I don't understand it, but I do appreciate it. It's like stars and sunsets and rainbows and all the other stuff I appreciate but don't understand. Thank you. I'm going to play you out, as always, with the song called Smoke Alarm by Carsey Blanton. She's on tour. Check her out, carseyblanton.com. Maybe she's coming to a place near you. If so, I highly recommend you go see her. She's wonderful. Her band is great. Her songs are brilliant. Her performing is stellar. Her music- musicianship is top shelf. And, um... She's not so famous that you have to pay a fortune or go see her in a stadium. I'm sure she's playing in an intimate venue near you. So check her out, Carcyblanton.com. This is Smoke Alarm. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I are going to die one day. Never forget that. It makes life much richer. Catch you next time.
3: He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you wanna say You're gonna die one day For example, I could kiss you Just because I want to what's the difference if you turn away I'm gonna die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say When everyone you've ever known Is headed for a headstone I don't wanna give the end away But we're gonna die one day Your body is an animal Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play? Your heart is in a birdcage, you're singing in your chest. You wanna shut it up but give it a rest, you're gonna die one day. Why do we waste our time thinking about a reputation?